Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters Podcast. This is episode 92. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm the chief economist here at the California Association of Realtors, uh, and I'm joined by the brains of the operation, my partner in crime, Oscar Way, our deputy chief economist. Hey, Oscar. Hey, Jordan. How are you? doing good. This is our first podcast of the new year. And uh, it was funny, I just uh, sent out the 100th weekly update, wow. our, our written market update that we do a little one pager summarizing the market data for the 100th time uh, this week, too. So just, man, it seems like since the pandemic, right? <laughs> the pandemic is the, the gift that keeps on giving as it comes to uh, market data and analysis. But we wanted to take some time because we also just finalized our December 2021 data. So we can give you a kind of monthly update. We can talk about what the market looked like here and in the rest of the United States as the dust has settled on on the annualized figures for last year. Talk a little bit about uh, new construction, distressed mortgages, and also give you a bit of a, a macroeconomic update so that we have a good firm understanding of where we start the year. And then we'll talk about some of that forward-looking stuff, because I think there's, there's in some ways, a lot of headwinds brewing. And even mm-hmm. though we're pretty optimistic, we got rates, we got COVID, uh, the the Dow seems to be all over the map. And, I know. and you know, of course, there's the ripple effects into uh, into housing with mortgage applications and things like that. So we got a lot a lot to cover, but I think the best place to start is is with housing itself because you know we kind of had a tale of two um, you know trends as it were in in December. On the one hand, we have sales that are kind of losing momentum, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They were down on a year-to-year basis, but for the year as a whole, we're basically at the highest level in in a decade, even with that slowing. So, talk about how you know 2021 was was really strong, but then you know maybe zoom in on the December stuff so that we can see how how the kind of and 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 maybe I'm curious to get your take is how much of this uh, this kind of losing of momentum is due to the supply side because they were down almost 16 percent compared to last December. Yeah, I mean, it's down by 16%, as you said, which is another double-digit decline on a year-over-year basis. But, you know, if you look at it from the standpoint of how strong, you know, uh, 2020 last at the end of 2020 was, you know, 16%, 15%, yeah, that's a huge decline. But at the same time, we're still at a level that is, you know, kind of near the peak of the pre-pandemic standard, like in 2019, 2018. Yeah. You know, sales level was at 430-ish or so, you know, when it was at its peak. So oh, that's a great point because, yeah, we're declining 16% from the same time in 2020. That level was almost 510,000 units on an right. annualized basis. So that is a, an amazing point. The level of sales is actually, I think, a little bit above pre-crisis standards of maybe about 420. So we're still kind of three to 5% in there somewhere, even as, uh, you know, we have lost momentum, I think. When you when you think about the uh, the kind of pace of sales, one of the things, and I know we're going to talk about this in a bit, is is the effect of the higher rates too, right? Because it's uh, 
it's got to be eaten into consumer pocketbooks. And yet when you, when you look at the actual kind of annualized number, again, we haven't seen that many home sales as we had last year in, I think more than a decade, right? That's like almost 12 years, 2009, when we had this many sales. Yeah. I mean, even with a a, sort of a slowdown at the end of last year in December, you know, we still rack up about 8% higher sales than in 2020 uh, and 2020 compared to a year ago. And that's actually the largest since 2009. And remember what happened in 2008, 2009, you know, at that time, you know, we, we, you know, home prices actually dropped to a very slow, uh, low level. Right. 2009, if I, I don't have the right number in front of me, but we're talking about in 2009, a, a home price at around what, 300,000. Yeah. Right now we're in the close good old to days. 800. Yeah, I know. I know. So, you know, we, we definitely have a lot of people interested in buying and it's not just, you know, the state level, you know, you're seeing it in True. different regions. Like yeah, it was Bay broad area. base. Right. Very broad base, you know, more suburban area, uh, Central Valley, you know, L.A., you know, it's you know, it's pretty, you know, there's a demand for it. You know, we, right. we, we, we talked about this before. The demand is, of course, we have some demographic shift you know, of people moving into right. um, the prime years. But you're absolutely right. What about, you know, interest rates? Interest rates, you know, they were very low, even with an increase, which, which we'll talk about later. Uh, even with an increase, we're still at around, what, 3.5, 3.6 right now. Yeah, still, I mean, outside of, of the last 18, 24 months, that's pretty much the lowest levels of all time, more or less. So still a, a, a tailwind. And you brought up an important point, too, because I think every major region, with the exception of the far north, which grappled with uh, more terrible fire damage this know, year yeah. again, um, you know, outside of that, every major region an increase. But but I think, you know, the the encouraging thing is we saw a lot of that homegrown demand uh, start to crop up. We still see um, we still see kind of out migration, right? You still uh-huh. see people buying in some of those more uh, rural resort kind of high quality of life markets, but we also saw a lot more homegrown demand come back from from the local economy. And actually, both of those trends are coexisting, right? Um, but the Bay Area, as an example, was the fastest growing region in the state in 2021, and that was, uh, I think, followed by Southern California. And so, even as the the kind of pandemic has has I think exacerbated some of our underlying structural challenges that were causing people to move out to those places. And now, you know, that's even more prevalent with remote work and things like that. Um, it's also true that that demand is is really growing in California's core where most of the jobs and people um, have traditionally always been. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about, okay, well, at the very be- part of the very beginning of the pandemic, we talked about, well, people are definitely moving away from, you know, the city area, the metropolitan area. Now, part of the reason was because of, you know, concerns that they may get COVID, you know, in uh, the very beginning. But, you know, as, you know, as you see more and more, you know, throughout the last you know, 18 months or so, people started moving back, you know, to some of the metropolitan area. I'm, I'm, we still have, you know, people uh, being flexible in work, uh, working from home, but at the same time, you know, not 100% of the people are working from home now. We know that for, for a fact now that, you know, yes, there is remote working, but yeah. it's not going to be 100%. There might be some hybrid. And that's why, you know, we're still seeing significant increase. We're still seeing growth, you know, in the Bay Area, in L.A. I think we might have mentioned last time also one one particular situation that, you know, I've noticed is, yes, 
you know, the uh, for the uh, downtown LA, for example, you know, we had a lot of people moved out. And so home prices actually in the downtown area that dropped a little bit at the very beginning, but people started moving back in because we are seeing some supply over there now. Yeah, exactly. And prices are, are now back on, on the uptrend. So um, very, again, very, very strong year. You know, now the, the kind of bad news is, again, we're, we're losing some of that momentum, right? Because not only were sales down on a year-to-year basis, again, from admittedly very high levels at the end of 2020, um, but also pending sales uh, show us that we can probably expect that normalization to continue. Yeah, we are looking at, you know, if you look at pending sales uh, in December, it, it shows that, you know, it actually has dipped again to nearly 20%. Yeah. But of course, keep in mind, uh, at the beginning of 2021, we, we still had really high Elevated. level of sales yeah. at around 484 or something like that. So we're still looking at in, in January or February, maybe roughly around 420-ish or so. Right. Part of it is because of interest rates. But the other part that uh, that's a uh, structural issue is the supply side. Right. And that to me is the bigger challenge, you know, even with COVID, even with higher rates, even with affordability being what it is to me, I think the biggest headwind for consumers, for our sales forecast um, and for, you know, the feedback loop through to affordability and stuff is, is the lack of supply. I mean, 1.2 months of supply, <laughs> which is what we hit in December is the lowest that we've ever been at, right? I know. Uh, I the know. number of listings on the MLS, I mean, you know, unsold inventory is a ratio. So we're looking at what's coming on. We're looking at what's going off through pending contingent sales, et cetera. Um, but even if you just look at the straight up actives, not only are they declining, they've been negative, um, for for about two years running now, but the the declines are re-accelerating. I think it was like 25% in December. So it's it's not just not correcting itself. It's actually getting worse. Yeah. I mean, September of last year or August of last year, I thought, okay, well, things are actually, the decline has you know slowed down already, but it, you're right. You know, it starts speeding up again. You wouldn't think it would speed up at the end of <laughs> like during the holiday season, yeah. but it did. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, we mentioned earlier that the demographic shift, you know, we are see, going to see demand, you know, in 2022. The question Absolutely. is whether we're going to have supply to fulfill all those demand. Yeah. And without supply, of course, it's going to, you know, push up home prices. Right. And that's that's the risk that we run in an interest rate increasing kind of, of environment, you know, and I think that's why we've already seen uh, roughly $800,000 median prices, even in the, the dead of, of winter, they were um, down from where they were, you know, in the in the kind of peak of summer in that, you know, prime home buying season, but they're still near all time high levels. And they're still growing by, you know, more than 10%. I think they're up 11% December. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's, that's, more than where incomes are growing. And so not only is there a lack of supply, the the price numbers are are getting pushed up like like crazy as well. Yeah, I mean, in the next couple of months or so, we're still going to see maybe 10%, eight or 9% or so. I mean, this that's still, you know, part uh, growing faster than, you know, uh, wage growth. 
I mean, we are going to see smaller growth in the upcoming year in 2022. I mean, obviously, we can't have double-digit growth every single year, right? But you know, that might be actually that that is definitely going to help you know uh, affordability a little bit. But at the same time, interest rate rising a little uh, fast, you know, recently uh, really is uh, uh, gives us some concern about you know affordability overall yeah. you know, for most people who are interested in buying. Right. And, you know, I think that, like you said, part of this is an artifact of how we, you know, we're looking at median prices, right? And one of the things that we saw pretty consistently up to this point, or at least up through the summer of 2021, was that the the high end of the market was certainly dominating every other uh, segment of the market. And when you sell a lot of two, three, five, ten right. million dollar homes, that tends to exaggerate the increases mm-hmm. in median price as the bottom end of the market starts to kind of come back and some of the kind of more, uh, you know, lower wage and middle class income earners start to get back to work. Uh, that that should help to even out the distribution of the market so that price right. growth starts to approximate something um, that's that's a little bit more sustainable. So again, just more signs of normalization. The top end of the market's still doing better than every other segment, right? It's just growing by, you know, 20%, not 300% right, the way that right. it was about nine, nine months ago. What about in the rest of the United States? Because it seems like, you know, and we know certainly that no other, other state has the inventory woes that we have inventories tight across the board, but never as, as bad as here. How's the, how are the, the home sales doing in the rest of the country? Yeah, for the nation as a whole, we also are seeing a very similar trend. You know, sales actually continue to improve uh, on a year-over-year basis, even though it's also slowed down, you know, at the end of last year. Yeah. Now, for the year as a whole, it actually was, you know, at a pretty high level, too, at, uh, for, for, the, uh, existing, uh, for existing home sales. It's hit $6.12 million. I wow. believe that's a, a recent high as well. But at the same time, they also have, you know, very low level of uh, inventory. In fact, you know, it hit an all-time low of less than a million. I think that's the first time that it hit, you know, less than a million. Uh, that, of course, also push up home prices. They are also increasing in price for the year or so, or at the end of last year, by about 16%. Very consistent with what we have. Yeah, in the in here, I mean, nine hundred ten thousand <laughs> for the whole country is for we're a three hundred and fifty ish million person country, right? So we're talking about 0.3 percent of the home. It's just it's yeah, and I think that speaks to how competitive it is in in the the kind of real estate industry, right? Not just for our clients who are trying to get into homes, but you know, we're having to work twice as hard for the buyers that we have because they're having to put in tons of offers and the market's mm-hmm. just so incredibly competitive. And on the listing side, there's just not enough listings to go around. So it's it's tough across the board for, for consumers and realtors alike. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? I mean, we did have a little bit more construction, both nationally, it seems like, and, and also it looks like California is going to be up about 20% last year. Yeah, now what, what we can talk about, you know, the supply side, you know, uh, when we talk about supply side, it could be new constructions, it could be foreclosures. So let's talk right. about new constructions. New constructions, yeah, we have a little bit more housing starts, which is good at the end of last year. You know, it's up 1.4% in December, uh, probably attribute to the fact that we have nicer weather, you know, uh, overall. Sure. 
And so we have a little bit more constructions at the end of last year, which is necessary. Right. Um, and, 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 but here's the thing, you know, when you look at no, new constructions, you also have to look at, you know, whether they're a single family or, you know, multifamily. Especially it looks like home ownership. Yeah. Right. It looks like at the end of last year, it did have, you know, quite a bit of uh, constructions for five units or more. So, you know, I think the rental market also developers are taking notes of the rental market they right. know that, you know, uh, home prices have been a little high. Maybe they want to, you know, uh, build more constructions on the new uh, uh, multifamily homes too. Right. But, you know, single family, I think people are paying attention. I think, you know, there will be more uh, single family homes being built, uh, maybe um, uh, some affordable projects, but, you know, I think uh, the supply chain is really interrupting and disrupting, you know, the, um, the overall yeah so in in 2022 you know we are cautiously optimistic i think yeah i think we'll see more construction right and i think you know from from the standpoint of just you know using it as a bellwether you know building multifamily units is great right it's it's a symptom that the economy is recovering that folks at the kind of lower end of the wage spectrum are you know forming households again and kind of on a on the on the mend as it were economically but i think you know from the standpoint of housing inventory especially for sale housing inventory and for home ownership and we know single family still the preference out there you know i think that and you know i think we will see california build more we built more in 2021 mm-hmm. i think we'll build more in 2022 but i think it's just going to pale in comparison to the need and and that's basically what underlies our forecast of prices still going up even with higher right. rates right that that we still have uh, higher prices. And, and, you know, I think, unfortunately, and I know my, my brother-in-law, you know, is like trying to convince <laughs> me that there's going to be foreclosures, but I don't think that we're going to see any distressed inventory, or at least not in any kind of meaningful magnitude that would somehow upset the outlook for, you know, sales or, or certainly not prices. No, I mean, if foreclosure, uh, foreclose activity actually reached the lowest level since 2005. 2005 was, you know, the year when we had, when we had some volatility, when we had, you know, some people putting when the zero percent down. Started maybe. Right, right. I mean, it, it went down to, you know, the the at that time delinquency was high. You know, but compared to what we are seeing now, it's very different. You know, in fact, you know, for comparing 2021 to 2020, the foreclosure filing actually went down by 29%. Now, we did have a little bit of a mortgage moratorium at the beginning of the year or for right. a few months. Um, but the fact that we actually had um, a price increase by you know double digit, close to 20%, I think that, True. you know, that, really yeah, helped I mean, people it- build equity. All it's all down to fundamentals, right? Like people right. aren't going in with zero down loans. In fact, I think our annual housing market survey showed that we had a second year in a row where a third of the first time buyers put at least 20% down. So, right. you know, when you have skin in the game up front and the market goes up by double digits, you know, year on year, even people who bought a year ago are already in, <laughs> in the black by those calculations. True. And I think you know, in a, in an, such an inventory constrained market like that, there's no incentive to foreclose. You, you know, even if you lose your job or are affected by COVID, what have you, you can simply sell that home and actually pocket some profit in the process. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's not just the foreclosure filings, which you mentioned, they're down 
substantially part, you know, that those numbers might be clouded a little bit by the foreclosure moratorium that was there, like you said, for a few right. months. But I think even when you just look at the delinquency numbers and the NBA puts out mm-hmm. California delinquencies, the percentage of mortgages that are behind 30 days, 60 days, 90 plus days, um, those are all falling. And even if we couldn't foreclose on anyone, which you can in many places now, um, you know, you would still see the notices of default going up. You'd still see people falling behind on mortgage payments. And that simply uh, isn't isn't the case. So I think that, you know, although that's probably bad news for for housing supply, right? So we're not going to get all these uh, new units flooding onto the market to save the day. You know, it looks like most people have been able to sustain home ownership throughout this crisis, or at least unload the homes without a major hit um, to their personal balance sheets. And I think that is is a positive. What about the 30,000 foot like macro data, right? Because, um, you know, consumer spending went down in December. How how concerned should we be? Is that inflation? Is that interest rates? Or um, is it no big deal? Yeah, I think the, the environment, the economic environment definitely plays a role in, you know, what we can expect this year and, uh, you know, next few months or so. So uh, the retail sales does give us uh, some clues as to what's going to happen. Now, because of COVID, of course, a, a lot of people may not be shopping as much. Yeah. But also, you know, the retail sales, in fact, you know, if you look at those numbers, uh, retail sales did show a first month to month decline since July. So, but, you know, don't get freaked out, you know, right. just because of a month to month decline. On a year over year basis, we're still growing by about, you know, 17% compared to, you know, a year ago. And if you compare that to the beginning of the pandemic, we're still we're very close to 20% increase from that point. So what what uh, contribute to, you know, some some, um, you know, draw some decline in on a month to month basis since December? Yeah, I think, you know, people have heard in the news quite a few uh, times that you know, about uh, from the media saying that there might be some supply constraint, uh, there might be might not be goods on the shelf. So people may have started, you know, sh- or shopping a little early. So demand might have pulled forward for the holiday season a little bit, which led to a little bit of a decline. Now, I'm not ignoring supply constraint at all. You know, there is going to be some supply constraint. Right. We might have some softening in, um, you know, economic activity because of COVID, people staying home a little bit more. But I think uh, it's not something that we need to be uh, concerned or panic. Uh, we need to be panic about, you know, I think right. it's just- yeah. And I think some of this is natural, right? The government's no longer pumping in lots of money on the fiscal side. It looks like the monetary side's going to start tapering their purchases of assets. So, you know, the, the government's not going to be playing as big of a role. And, mm-hmm. and we also have inflation that could be scaring some folks off. But I think when you look at the three month average, right, that we finished the year on a strong note, if you average even just November and December together, um, consumer spending itself was still relatively strong. And I think Mm -hmm. the, you know, the most important thing is, is whether people are working, right. And there we see that the labor market, despite being tight and, and wages growing, etc. We, we continue to add jobs in the rest of the nation, but especially here in California, we've had like four or five 50,000 job a month months. Absolutely. And, and for the, uh, you know, yes, we might, we might have seen some slowdown, you know, at the end of last year, we might have seen some softer growth, job growth because of COVID. But if you look at the year as a whole, take a look at the number of jobs being created in 2021, it's still increased by 6.45 million. And that's the highest gain that we have seen since what, 1940, in 80 plus years. So brutal. 
Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people who are alive today have never seen actually inflation like this, right? A 6% increase in, in inflation. And, you know, I think that this is one of those kind of um, esoteric concepts, but it's one that's incredibly important for us in the real estate industry because we uh, know that this is a, one of the two indicators that the Fed watches uh, very intently. And, and ultimately, I think this means that even though, you know, I'm not totally sold on permanent inflation, I think we talked about that in a previous episode. Some of this is supply chain related and transitory, right? Some of it's, you know, because we're buying so many cars and things like that. Um, you know, but I think that it means ultimately that we're going to see those those higher rates, even as you know, I personally expect that inflation will, you know, probably not get back to normal, but it'll go from 6% probably closer towards something that looks like the Fed's target, maybe by the end of this year or the beginning of, of next year. And yet that doesn't, you know, even though I'm not the kind of the inflation pessimist that, that others might be who expect inflation to persist even longer uh, than that and remain elevated, you know, well into the winter. I, I still think no matter what, it means probably um, a more aggressive stance by by the Fed, right? And that that ultimately means higher interest rates. And of course, you know, you don't need a degree in economics to understand the impacts of that on the housing market. Yeah, I think the Federal Reserve has made it very, very, you know, uh, clear or transparent that, okay, they want to fight inflation and because of tight supply and labor market, tight supply and, uh, you know, the uh, material and uh, food, you know, we have been seeing some uh, inflation, but I do believe that, you know, if you believe in, you know, many of the economists' predictions in the next uh, few quarters or so, we are going to see some slowdown in inflation. We might actually even see below 4% or 3.5% by the end of this year. And then now I'm not going to say we're going to see 2% going back to 2%, you know, uh, like what we had in pre-pandemic level. Right. It's going to take some time. It is going to take some time, but I don't think, you know, the 7% or 6.5% will persist for the next couple of quarters. I think it's going to go down, uh, especially since last year we had, I mean, it's all relative, right? When you compare to last year's uh, um, price level, this year's level should be a little bit better. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, we're already at three and a half percent, but I think I'm still, you know, relatively confident ending somewhere around four percent by the end of the year. The problem is that it just makes uh, a big impact at eight hundred and thirty five thousand dollars, even going from three to four percent. You're talking about an uh, almost four hundred dollar a month increase in in the payment on the same exact home, right? That median price, $835,000 home that we're forecasting this year. And so, you know, rates are still very, very low by historical standards. Um, but even small changes, I think, have a, have a big impact. Yeah, I mean, we, we've jumped from, I think, at the end of last year to, you know, three and a half now. Um, whether we're going to hit four by the end of the year, it's possible. Yeah, it's, you know, along with the increase in price, that is going to have some, uh, some um, impact on housing affordability. And that housing affordability, of course, is going to um, linger on for a little bit, especially since supply is going to be very, very tight. Uh, we'll continue to monitor that. And we we'll actually will be releasing, you know, our housing affordability index uh, and uh, in a couple of weeks or so. So we definitely will have a better sense of, you know, how the uh, housing affordability as well, uh, you know, as affected by interest rate. Now, the other factor that actually could affect interest rate, of course, is, you know, the ongoing uh, COVID situation. The ongoing COVID situation, uh, it's been lingering on for years. 
And I think uh, we're still trying to get a, a, grab of, a grip of uh, what it's uh, going to be like. It seems like it is um, trending as similar to you know, what we had about a year ago. Right. It does seem to be following a more predictable pattern where we have a big bump in the summer and then an even bigger bump during the winter. And and it seems like that's what happened in 2021. In July, the numbers spiked. Now they're spiking. It does appear over the last couple of days that the new case numbers have peaked. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we're at the beginning of the downtrend, um, the lull until things ramp back up this this summer. But I think, you know, the predictability is a, is, you know, even if we can't get this fully in the rear view mirror, I think having a more predictable pattern of infection and things like that will help us to manage, um, you know, and probably we're moving more from pandemic to endemic, right? That we're just going to be living with a certain amount of this, but as long as we kind of know what to expect and when to hunker down and things like that, that it, it shouldn't be too disruptive um, economically. Yeah, it is showing some slowdown. So, you know, hopefully in the next couple of weeks or so, you know, that will uh, go back to a little bit more normal. But at the same time, you know, there are the, uh, you know, the COVID situation, the interest rate situation with, uh, you know, the Fed trying to um, contain inflation. It does contribute to a little bit of uh, market volatility in the financial market. I mean, we have been seeing some ups and down um, in the last few days, last couple of weeks or so. You know, the, the tech uh, uh, stocks, you know, have been uh, going up to the uh, peak a few weeks or a couple months or about a month ago. And it's down to um, one of the lowest level in the next in the last couple months. We're seeing some fluctuation in the Dow Jones and things like that. Now, the financial market is going through a little bit of a volatility. But, um, you know, we do think, you know, the, the, uh, the general economic environment, the fundamentals will maintain and will continue to stay pretty healthy. Yeah, exactly. So. Now, consumer, I mean, of course, consumer may feel a little differently. Um, yeah. They may well, actually feel, you know, a little bit of concern because of COVID, because of the volatility of the market. Um, it did go down a little bit in the last uh, couple months, right? It did. And I think this is, you know, a, a very kind of real time indicator, as it were. So when the COVID numbers get bad, co- uh, consumer mm. sentiment falls. I think, you know, when you take a step back and look at the broader um, picture, they're still going back to work. Wages are are generally rising. I think the the you know, it's more concerns about the future. How long will inflation stick around and things like that, that, that folks are, are worried about. But when I look at the kind of fundamentals, I think that could potentially bounce back in a similar way that we kind of, or at least, you know, stabilize, shall I say, in a similar right. way that we expect the retail numbers to. Right. And, and the, you know, it, when it's stabilized and it starts climbing, climbing back up, when we see inflation, I do believe that inflation probably will be contained. When we start seeing those numbers start climbing back, uh, stabilizing, um, that's when you know the economy is doing okay. Now, on the other hand, if you look at the housing market, it seems like it's still pretty optimistic, pretty, still pretty positive if you just look at the mortgage application. Right. And, and you know, they're, they're kind of falling from where they were a year ago, similar to what we saw with the sales data, similar to what we see on the pending sales front. But again, if you look at the level, the index level, um, it's still higher than it was before the pandemic. We're, you know, higher than we were in January of 2018, January of 2019. And for me, again, even with higher rates, even with the turbulent COVID numbers and things like that, buyer demand is not going to be our biggest problem. Yes, the affordability challenge 
challenges are real. And at the margins, I think buyers are going to find themselves up against it as prices continue to go up and rates probably continue to go up gradually. But, but you know, all of that stuff, notwithstanding, the bigger thing is, is the supply side, right? We've got more <laughs> than enough buyers out there for what we're seeing on, on the MLS. That probably means, again, further increases in price, but it also probably means um, that the, we won't be able to maintain that that kind of 10-year high level of sales that we just ended. So, um, you know, that's not, that's not terrible news. We're still mostly <laughs> optimistic. I would characterize it, but I just want to make sure that we're um, having an eyes wide open approach to our business and that, you know, Absolutely. We, we know that it's going to take a lot of elbow grease, that you're still going to have to work really hard for every single buyer out there. Uh, and you're going to have to drum those listings up wherever you can get them. Absolutely. And then we can expect, you know, interest rates to be inching up, you know, throughout the year. Uh, but uh, I think overall, I think we should be, we should have a decent year in 2022. Yeah, I agree. So, and I couldn't have said it better myself. So I think with that, we've uh, done a pretty comprehensive look, both at the market and the broader economy, as well as kind of where, you know, our, our take on where a lot of those indicators are going. So this is certainly a dynamic and changing environment, which means that we will probably be back to you sooner than later um, with more updates. Of course, you can always scour our, our website for all the amazing resources that Oscar and, and our team are, are putting out on a, on a regular basis. And don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. And uh, Oscar, unless we missed anything, we can leave it there. Absolutely. I think we covered pretty much everything. Okay, great. Well, hey, it's always a blast to do this with you. Thank you for your time. And thank you to all of our members for joining us. We'll see you on the next one. See ya.